Hello, and welcome to Poets Return. This is a podcast where we feature the words of our writers and get to know them a little bit as well. My name is Melissa Bowie, and today's episode is episode three, Finding the Light with Deshaun. Deshaun Cavanaugh is a very talented artist. He's actually a Minnesota native that moved to Los Angeles, California to pursue his acting career and has also continued to write. And because of a lot of his talents, he's also become a part of a group that he's created and founded and continues to perform with called TBC Records with two other gentlemen and gets to feature a lot of his writing, singing, his poetry in that musical group as well, which is really cool. I've gotten to see them live. It was amazing. So Deshaun's a very, very multi-talented young man who really hustles, really hits hits the pavement and is always working. So I love getting to catch up with him. And I'm excited to introduce you to him as well because he really finds the joy and the hope in situations, which is something I think that we need a lot of right now, especially. And his writing... 100% proves that and supports that perspective that he holds in life. And just listening to his writing, even when it's talking about something that might be dire or or very difficult to process, Deshaun finds a very joyful, hopeful, optimistic way to persevere. So he definitely puts that in his writing and it's something that's very refreshing and uplifting to me. So here's Deshaun. Welcome to another episode of Poets Return. This week we have Deshaun Cavanaugh. Hello. Hello. Deshaun, and just really quick, what's your, tell us your Instagram. Uh, it's Deshaun C-A-V, so that's D-E-S-H-A-W-N-C-A-V, and that's Instagram, Twitter, pretty much all the social media, so check me out. Yeah, check him out. Deshaun does a lot of amazing creative work other than even poetry. He's in a band with another friend of ours, Chris Shushet. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Chris. And um, does a lot of amazing musical work. Also works with Crave Cafe here on Ventura Boulevard, hosting their Tuesday night open mics. Open mic for all the poets out there. We have a spot. It's free. You can come in. Sign-ups at 7.30 on Tuesday. Show starts at 8 o'clock. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome. Yes. So Deshaun, um, Deshaun and I have known each other for, what, a year? Over a year? Yeah, so Something a little like over that. a year, yeah. And we both have done theater together and worked in immersive theater together Mm -hmm. and one thing that was really special always about that was that we'd all have moments at the end of a show where we'd be sharing with our experiences and all the stuff and Mm -hmm. inevitably with the vulnerability being shed we'd start sharing words that we had all written and Deshaun was somebody that struck me very early on listening to his poetry because you have beautiful imagery and your rhythm is so strong. Thank you. You're, you're rhyming because rhyming can be tricky and rhythm can be very tricky. <clears throat> right. And I think you handle it very well. And you also have a very positive perspective in a lot of the things that you write about, which I think is an ongoing thing here on Poets Return that you don't necessarily always have to be drawing out the poison yeah. to be inspired. Um, but yeah, Deshaun, tell us a little bit about just your process. How have you been in L.A.? Like, how long have you been here? What has been your sort of journey? Right, so I uh, moved out to L.A. pretty much right after high school in July. It has been quite an experience. Uh, I came out here to be an actor, and uh, I wanted to pursue music as well and other types of artistry, and I've learned a lot about myself since moving here. But um, I'm currently acting, auditioning all the time. I have a manager and agent who are great. And um, yeah, I just started a band actually this year, which is 2019 in January, so it's coming around. It's going to be another a full year soon, which is going to be awesome. So that's been really cool. And then uh, I was fortunate enough to get past the torch of the Crave Cafe Open Mic Night, which is just a really cool place where a bunch of local artists come and develop themselves and just like put their stuff out there. And we make sure that it's a safe space. The community is really like strong and supportive. And 
yeah, it's really helped mold me into the man I am today, I would say. <laughs> well, absolutely, because as an artist and a person, you grow, you know, right. together. And being able to go to a place where I had the wonderful privilege of being able to go to one of the open mics at Crave where Deshaun was hosting and actually got to share some of my poetry and listen to him share some of yes. his. And we were a couple of the only poets there that night. Yeah, it was mostly music. It's a lot of music. <laughs> but it was special because people really did like quiet yeah, down. They I was tune like, in. They tuned in. And it was cool to see you because you definitely create, a, like you were saying, a safe space where I feel a lot of artists that maybe haven't had a platform to share right. or haven't felt confident or just need more exposure and need to know that they have a place where they can share Yeah, their absolutely. Stuff. And I think that's one of the things that I love most about the Open Mic Night is like, it's not only a place to just come and listen to really good stuff, great music and get good food. It's like a place to come be inspired by other mm -hmm. artists because the other people who come to the open mic night they've been working on this stuff on their own and just like really looking inward and you know looking outward and finding stories that they want to tell and just finding a way to make it work for them and I think one of the coolest things is that like I was two years ago and I was just a guest at the open mic night which you know now you know I'm the host of but I was a, a guest and I had a, a friend of mine who's a performer he does a lot of music and he performed a, a poem or two and he talked about how He's a rapper now, but he started off by doing poetry, and I had never written, written a poem before, and I thought that was really cool. So I tried to write songs all the time, but I was never really successful at that point in my life. Now we're good. TBC rocks. Go check us out, TBC Records, on Instagram. But, um, They're rad. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it was really cool because I remember being like, well, you know what, maybe I'll try writing a poem because this is a friend of mine who you know, was a little bit older than me, had been out here a little bit longer, and he was just sharing that poetry helped him write music so I said okay well I'll try it and I just really ran with it I was wasn't writing it for anybody outside of myself I just went into the notes on my phone and just started writing whatever spilled out of my brain and I liked rhymes and stuff since I was pretty musical and I was like okay this can kind of be a poem and then eventually I worked up the nerve to perform it at Crave and then uh, I got invited once to the Da Poetry Lounge which oh. is another great open yeah. mic night that one's very poetry based but there's also music and stuff there I'm too. I'm still so. too intimate. I've, I haven't been able to get up there yet. Oh you should. You'd be great. It's, it's cool. Amazing. It's like a black box. They, I mean the crowd's pretty nice there too. Yeah. Can I ask you like speaking of you know your friend kind of opening a door for you where you saw somebody else which is I think such a meaningful moment as an artist when it's a friend of yours that gets up right. and shares and you go wait maybe I could do that. Was there ever a moment where you're like, what is this thing poetry? Because I think so many artists begin to approach yeah. it and it's like, can I do this? Is this for me? What is this? That's Yeah, that's the question, the golden question. And I think that's probably the most important question that I had to ask myself in the beginning. What is this to me? And for me, it was literally just me throwing up whatever I had in my brain you know, I would watch something, or I, I watch a lot of, like, media. I watch, you know, Netflix originals, all those shows. I've written poems after watching shows, and I feel things. And it's like, huh, I want to kind of throw this all up, but I don't necessarily have a formed thought yet, so I don't really have an argument or a conversation to start with somebody else. Well, maybe I can start a conversation with myself by just writing down everything that I'm thinking at the moment and not worrying about grammar, spelling. You know, sometimes I spell stuff wrong when I'm just writing because I'm just letting it flow. And then later, sometimes I come back and tweak it up and tighten up some of the rhymes or the rhythms. But a, a lot of the best stuff, I think, is the stuff that just flew out of me. Because I was just like, you know what? I just need to throw up mm -hmm. a positive thought. It's weird because I'm driving a lot of the time when I get the best inspiration. And I'm like, I really should not be, like, trying to write a voice memo or whatever right now. So I'm, like, driving. Then I hit the voice memo and I start just, like, babbling off to myself for a second. And then I pause it and come back to it later. But 
yeah, it's weird how, where inspiration hits you, but it's like. And do you ever feel? Because I don't know if this is weird. Maybe it's because I'm such a, I'm so weird about writing, but there have been times where that happens to me where I'm driving and I have a thought and I actually have to pull over because I have to physically write it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, definitely. I, a lot of times I find myself using that little extra time, like if I'm early to something, just parked in my car, be like, okay, take a deep breath, just clear my thoughts and be like, okay, what, is there anything that I got going on in my head right now that I need to express out? Right. And then like, you know, if the notes are there, you could just... They're always there, you know. Right. It's, I'm leaving the gym, and all of a sudden, I'm telling, you know, I've got a thought in my head about how, you know, people tell you how to be special or what you need to do to be a shining light, and I'm in here like, no, you just got to do it this way, and then somehow I form it into a nice little uh, prose or something. But, no, it's true. It's that one initial spark, that thought that inspires you. Whether it's you see an interaction, you see just a person that reminds you. Of, I think it's also Deshaun is also an amazing actor. I think it's also the actor in us, the imagination that kicks in. It's like life is a character study. Right. Which is a great dichotomy. I think having that duality of being an actor and a writer yeah. is so powerful because you, they're both kind of always on. The right. switches are always on. Right. And it's sort of like you're, you're sharing power between the two fuses because you can look at things and go, that person, I see their emotion or like right. I see they look sad, why are they sad? If I was playing that character, why, you know, what, what would inform that? And then it becomes a story as a writer. And right, yeah. and being an actor, you you know, it's all about the story when you're acting and stuff. So it's like, you can, I don't know if it's me being dramatic, but I can write a story about a, you know, a popcorn machine. I remember one time I was having a debate with a friend. I was leaving the house and he was telling me about how like, this old popcorn machine in his house was like a friend that I needed to get out of my life at that time. And he was saying, if the popcorn machine doesn't work, why would you hold on to it? But I was like, but you don't know what this popcorn machine has been through. And I came up with some whole idea, some story, and it's just really cool how, you know, we can connect to things that are completely inanimate and just be like really connected to them, like things from your childhood or, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's weird where inspiration comes from, but it, it, it comes in it's, waves. It's the muse, the muse of life, the muse of emotion. As much as emotion can be painful or amazing, sometimes the, the beautiful and almost liberating part about it is that we can't control it, and that as artists, right. I think we just have to let it flow through us and hope right. that we can catch the tail of the muse before it leaves the room. No, yeah. Oh, uh, the other thing I was going to say about uh, your last comment about being a writer and also being an actor, it's like you are the curator and you are the vessel in the mm -hmm. same moment, and it's hard. You know, we lean on one side or the other, but being a curator, you have to be judgmental of your own work. You have to be, you know a bit in your head about it but then when you're being the vessel you just have to be in it and when you are the person who's written the poem and now you're performing the poem you've got to just remember all of like the energy that was going into writing it and instead of focusing on like oh I want to hit this beat or hit this rhythm just get in tune with what you were feeling when you first wrote it and I guarantee you you will perform it better than if you sit and focus on landing right on the perfect you know rhyme or rhythm or beat or whatever it is and I think that's great like a great insight to performing your own words is you know as an actor you perform somebody else's words right and sometimes it almost feels easier because there's right. a distance yeah and then when you get into it yourself you're like you know captain of the ship you're the ship you're the crew you're like how you're do everything. I <laughs> you're swabbing the poop deck and you you're are. also steering the ship and <laughs> tightening the sails oh god bless you metaphor <laughs> that was amazing the the new cartoon book for children will be out yeah. soon. Squabbing the poop deck. Squabbing the poop deck. Great. <laughs>
Now, something that I think another thing, because you and I remember being at like Tiki Lounge yeah. late at night, oh, and, you yeah. know, a group of us <laughs> sitting around, sharing our words. Yeah. I remember you, you said something about how you made a conscious decision to write, to try to write positively. Yes. And can you just, when was that and what kind of informed that decision for you? Uh, I, I have to say, I think the reason that I've chosen to kind of give myself like a tunnel vision view with the art that I create is because you are what you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. And I love myself. Yes. <laughs> I do. Like, I love my work. I, you know what I mean? When I work hard on a song, I'll listen to a song a thousand times. Or if I work hard on a scene, I'll watch it a thousand times. And I'll cringe and I'll whatever, but it's like, there's something. It's like your baby. And um, I want my babies to be shining lights that everybody can appreciate and love and, like, take with them in a positive way, you know? And the neg negative poems, which we have all written some, or, you know what I mean, maybe if you haven't, maybe you'll get there, maybe you won't, but... The poems that are a little darker, I think, I hold those a little closer to the chest because it's like those are the ones that, you know, bring me sometimes pain and, and memories of things that I've lost or longing for things that I uh, once had or, you know what I mean? But it's, it's those positive reinforcements that I think help carry a lot of people with a smile, you know what I mean? Allow them to carry their head with a smile and just go through the day, you know what I mean? If you have a lot of positive stuff coming your way you will undoubtedly be a more positive person and I want to be a person who's like shining bright and bringing brightness out of others not always living down in the gloom right. but sometimes you have to live there because without any darkness there should there would be no light you know well and it's like you tell your truth right you tell your truth but you do but I like that because it's you sometimes have to it's not molding your truth but it's also seeing your truth in a different light having a perspective to say okay yeah I feel pain but I'm gonna choose to write about my I'm gonna choose to try to see the positive. Right. And in that, I'm going to write more about the positive. Right. And, you know, for me, I, I definitely am a dark heart to the core. <laughs> and my yeah. shit, you know, my shit's called Bird Brain, Pick Your Poison, and the Calamitous Chronicle. Like, yeah. it all sounds tumultuous. <laughs> right. um, but I do think that I'm getting to a point now getting through those stories and finally purging those stories and saying, okay, these are done. These right. are good. You can walk away from this and you can now begin a new journey. And just because you have a different perspective doesn't mean you're less of a writer or Absolutely. on less of a journey. I mean, you have to get it out of yourself of one way or another. But you don't yeah. want to get stuck there and drown in it too, right. which is hard. Right. And it's, you know, people, people are drowning every day, man. It's, <laughs> it's so sad, but there are people who are drowning and a lot of the people who are drowning, all they want to do is reach for hands out, but they're not reaching for you to pull them out. They're reaching to pull you in there with them. Right. And that's just not a place where I like to live. And well, I try you, it's to, because people don't want to be alone in their misery. And right. They want, yeah, yeah, misery loves company. So, you know, they'll grab your wrist and you're thinking you're pulling them out of there. But slowly but slowly but surely they're pulling you in there. Yeah. You know, it's it's not a, a bad thing. It's just a real thing. And if you're okay with spending time in that darker, you know, realm and dealing with those issues that are, you know, difficult, then that's great because we need people who can talk about that stuff. Right. You know, we can all talk about it in our own perspective, but not everybody wants to share that stuff. The stuff that I want to share is the stuff that's going to bring a smile to somebody else's face. But I've also, you know, I've, at times when I'm in lows, I've shared stuff that I thought was just a necessary piece of me that I had to get out. Right. And it felt good, you know. Of course. It's cathartic because it's, it's your ability to tell your own story. And even if it's a painful piece, it's something you've survived, right. persevered through, and have come out the other end a different person. Right. And this is how I dealt with it, writing this or, right. you, know, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. You know, I have 
Sylvia Plath on my wall and I love her writing and I've always identified with it because as a young girl who dealt with mental illness and depression and anxiety and things that I didn't know how to identify with necessarily I didn't medicate I wasn't a medicated person so I would put it into theater or I mm -hmm. put it into writing or right. athletics or whatever I basically could get it out into and I read her stuff and even now it's like I finally got to a point where I, I still love Sylvia and I love reading her stuff mm -hmm. but like I don't sentimentalize it like I used to because right. she still stuck her head in the oven twice. <laughs> well, yeah. And successfully killed herself. <laughs> yeah, and, we don't want to do that. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah. It's like what you're saying. It's like it's hard as a writer, as an artist, as an empathetic human being right. to not get caught in the tide pool mm -hmm. and still be able to say, look, I had this experience, but I made it to shore right. and it's okay. So on that note, <laughs> Deshaun, I would love for you to share Absolutely. one of your pieces with us. And Deshaun, again, he has a lot of different, um, he's really good at different rhyming schemes. He's got a lot of different images that you will hear, and we will talk about visualizations, but. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right, well, you're hyping me up now, okay. <laughs> um, so this poem is the first poem that I've actually ever wrote. It was the one that I wrote and performed at the Poetry Lounge after kind of being inspired from one of my friends. Um, it's called Photograph. Photograph. Life is like a picture. It's not a perfect picture, but it's picture perfect. It's not easily shot, but we know it's worth it. People go through great lengths to see the world from their perfect angle, with their selfie sticks and their bodies all tangled, hanging off the edge of a cliff because that lighting makes you look like an angel. But it's a snapshot. It could be taken away like the blink of an eye, like a snap or a shot. Then there will only be black. No color, no fade. That dusty old picture won't even be gray. But it was fun while it lasted. That's why we smile and we take that happy picture and we add it to the pile, not the one on the left, but the one on the right, the one that will matter when we run out of light. So don't forget that your life is an image. Don't slow down. Don't hold on to the sedatives. Just take your best shot and develop from the negatives. That's Photograph. So I love it because there's so many creative rhyming schemes and you follow this theme that is about an object but it's about a lot more than that, obviously. Right, right. What flew into your brain when you first decided to put that down? Um, you know, I think I was probably, like, hot off of being at the gym or something like that. And I uh, had just really gotten into uh, Ed Sheeran at the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Believe it or not. But, uh, yeah, he has a song. I think it's called Photograph. I'm not exactly sure. And his is about a girl of some kind. But just listening to his music and uh, I saw that title photograph and I started thinking to myself because I'd taken time dabbling in photography and I'm an actor so I work in front of the camera all the time and I'd seen many quotes about you know photographs and developing from the negatives and things along those lines and I thought to myself I was like well you know if your life was a picture what would it be and I think if I'm right, that's kind of how I started. You know, photo your life is like a picture. I'm telling you, yeah, your yeah. life, it's a picture. And this is why. Because, right. you know, it's got a lot of stuff. And I go into, like, it's not picture perfect. It's No, it's not a perfect picture, but it's picture perfect. You know, it's a lot of, like, it's not this, but it is this. And I think it's, like, black, showing you the black and the white of the world because... You know, nothing is black or white. Everything's gray. And it's I mean, all those shades of gray in between. Right, exactly, yeah. which I touch on later when I'm talking about, you know, that dusty old picture won't even be gray. I'm talking about dying. <laughs> right. Clearly. Like, you know, your, your life will end, so just enjoy the color while you got it, you know? Right. So. And I think that's such a 
it's like <laughs> it's also so relevant because with everything now with social media and you don't hold pic sometimes you don't even hold a picture in your hand yeah. you know i have a friend that takes these polaroids of we'll go on these trips together like for production or for friends or whatever and like we take these polaroids mm -hmm. and it's just so cool because at the end of the trip you can like look at these physical actually hold pictures them. Yeah. and hold them and like it happened it was real and mm -hmm. We remember that visceral feeling yeah. of a photograph. You know, flapping it in the air, making sure that the color comes out right. Mom yelling not to stick your fingers on it. Yeah. Smudge it, looking at the dates. Yeah, that's um, great. You know, so I think that this is such, like this, even just, even though this is the first one you've shared, this would be a great visualization too. Yeah, this is my favorite poem that I've ever written, I have to say. Well, I think it's such a, it's also such a little shining light into a lot of you, a lot of who you are, because it's like, it's, it's, perspective that you've had on experiences and people and also it's something that still maintains this sort of positive perspective where it's like there's hope and there's like why why waste your time like pretend you know what I mean right. why like, not why not be happy why not be like, happy why not be brave why not be whatever it is whatever why it is. waste your time right and I think that's a message that will always resonate with people. That's the thing is that I think there's also trends in writing where people like right now we have, and I've talked about this multiple times cause I love home girl, but you know, Billie Eilish is someone mm -hmm. who the reason that she's gotten so big so fast is because you listen to her lyrics and with the music and everything else, there's something very honest, raw mm -hmm. and visceral that I think people really identify with. She's a, she's a true vessel because what I've heard, and I don't, um, don't quote me on any of this stuff, but what I've heard is like she, she writes her songs with like an idea of like an intention behind it. And it's not necessarily an intention that she has experienced herself, but mm -hmm. just she imagines what it would feel like to be there. Right. And she really just clicks into it, and it's something that people obviously just resonate with so hard. Well, I think imagination is so powerful. Yeah. We really discount it. We really discredit the imaginary if and the ability to have that childlike innocence where you look into a thing and go how do how could i just put myself in these shoes yes we gotta hold on to that inner child man it's hard not enough of us know how to hold on to it it's, it's something that i've been thinking about a lot lately too it's like i'm a, I'm a grown man i'm 22 now and uh i i'm an entertainer and sometimes i go to you know kindergartens or and i know you work with kids a lot too and mm -hmm. i you know i'm a server too and i deal with kids all the time and i i just see this kind of this wonder in their eye and I, I can really, really, truly remember how it felt to be naive to the, you know, difficult and, and challenging intricacies of life and how it felt that, like, anything was possible. And I still actually, you know, hold on to that because there's things that I have no clue about. There's right. things that I know nothing about and those are, like, the little pieces of magic in life, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, learning something. Well, but you're all, it's also rare, it's hard for, I think a lot of people hold on to their pride and their ego very, yeah. to, a, to a degree that it so hinders them as artists and as humans. Yeah. I mean, I, I do it too, where we're like, you know, no, I don't want to hear what somebody else has to tell me, or I don't want to listen to this. Right. I, I know it all, I've been through it all, and it's right. like, no, there's, there's always room for learning and knowledge of experience. Right. And I think that's one of the things that's so powerful about artistry, and Again, having worked with you and doing acting in, in mm -hmm. the immersive theater world, when at the end of an experience, it's like you can't help but be completely uh, humbled. You're, yeah, you're humbled, you're present, you're vulnerable, you're just there. You're just there. And I think that that's something that 
an ensemble of actors share together, an ensemble, you know, a band when it goes on stage and performs. Yeah. When you have a group of poets that are willing to go on stage and each and every one of them share a different experience, whether it's through imagination or it's through a friend of theirs, a story they heard or something they went through. Anytime someone's willing to get up and speak a truth, I think that is powerful. And Absolutely. <clears throat> it's, sometimes it's not things we want to hear. Right. It can be things that make us a little bit crazy also because like you were saying earlier, it can remind us of a pain or right. a trauma or it can just remind us of a person that we hadn't thought about in a while that it's like, I didn't want to think about that right, right. Now. And then I drop in and I go, but you know what? Let me acknowledge this feeling and say, right. okay, this makes me feel this way. All right. I'm here. I'm here. Right. Don't deny it. Don't suppress it because that's just going to lead to it coming back up later. And, you when know. You keep writing poems about the same thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just going to come back up harder the next time it comes up. And if you keep pushing it down. It's like shaking up a can of Coke, you know, before like you that. open it or whatever. I just am metaphorical with everything. But, like, seriously. You, I love your metaphors, though. I've already, because you already said it's, um... Swabbing the poop deck. It's we hard, got to... not bad. Swabbing the poop deck, <laughs> which hard, not bad, I love. Swabbing the poop deck. And, I mean, we're going to have to, there's a lot of things I want yeah. to name this episode now. Um, <laughs> swabbing the poop swabbing deck. Swabbing the poop deck will probably prevail. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, I would love for you to share another one of your pieces. Because, sure. again, that was Deshaun, one of his... First, that was the first piece of poetry. Yeah. I think that was the first piece of poetry you ever shared. I think it, with. yeah, I think it was. I think I had written it probably, like, pretty close to when we uh, ended up sharing poetry that night. Yeah. Yeah, good times. Do you want to give a short Yeah, poem? I can give a little piece. Uh, a roommate of mine and a project collaborator, we were really tight, and uh, we just had a bad falling out. It wasn't really, you know, I, I don't think there's anybody to blame in it. I just think, you know, we uh, had different values and we needed different things at the same time and it caused for us not to be production partners anymore but it did allow for me to write this really interesting poem that I think a lot of people can relate to. It's called The Gun. I gave you the gun. The one thing that hurts me but no one else. But we know, I know, and you know that that weapon hurts me from within. It hurts only me and pierces right through my Oh, so, so tough skin. But I gave it to you in hope that you wouldn't use it, in hope that you might help me through it. But you see, when the chance came, when there was someone to blame, no need to call out the name, just open your sights and take aim. But I gave you the gun. That's the gun. <laughs> oh, I love the repetition in that. Thank you. Really, it's a letter to yourself. Right. Because you're like, why did you give this person the gun? Right, yeah, you know, times. why did you open yourself up to this person? But it's not, I don't think it's, at least from my perspective, everybody can take it however they want to take it. That's what art's all about. But for me, I'm not, I feel like we're not too bitter about it. Because at, at the last line, but I gave you the gun, it's like, I gave you that. And, you know, being able to give that was really nice. Being able to give that trust to somebody. Although it might have been misplaced, doesn't mean that it doesn't feel good to give. Sometimes in relationships, whatever the relationship is, we have to be the one to sort of surrender or shrug our shoulders and say, I don't hate you. Right. This didn't go the way I wanted it to go. I made decisions that I shouldn't have, and I hope I can learn from this. Right. And it's like, you know, I, I had something that my mom told me that will always stick with me when I got out of my last relationship. And I was like, oh, it's such a waste. Like, I wasted all that time. My mom was like, it's only a waste if you don't learn anything. Right. Yes, mama, preach. Mama, preach. <laughs> and, like, it's so true because we feel that way in life. 
where it's like, I gave this person so much, I feel run over, taken advantage of, right. taken for a ride, whatever. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, something that is, again, sort of freeing is that it's on them. Right. If they're going to take those things and keep running with them, like they're going to run out of steam at some point. They're not going to have anyone left to take from. Right. And it's like, you know, it's about you. It, right. Your life is about you. Mm -hmm. And if you find a partner and you're fortunate to want to share your life with somebody else, that's fantastic. But it's still is about you you know and i call me an egomaniac call me whatever but you have to have strength from within before you can give it to anybody else and you only can gain that by really just being confident and loving yourself and just being like yo i i messed up whatever it is you know i misplaced my trust in somebody i'm so hurt by it but you're not going to sit and wallow in the fact that i'm such an idiot i'm you know things happen much worse mistakes have been made i promise you <laughs> so just you know move on you know keep going because you can't well and that's like just an interesting because this is this is just an, a thing in in life now and in society and mm. especially in los angeles <laughs> ghosting oh yeah Oh, yeah. Deshaun knows all about ghosts. No, no. No, I, 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 no yeah. And no, well, I mean, everyone's had it happen to them. Everyone's right. probably had to do it at some point also because right. there are people that need to be ghosted, and sometimes it's unhealthy, and you're like, I got to cut you right. out because you're toxic to my life. Right. And I've I've had people that have cut me out that I'm honestly like, round of applause because I yeah. was kind of a monster, yeah, yeah. and I'm proud of you that you were brave enough to stiff arm me and tell me, no, you're not going to do this. Yeah, well, here's another thing, listeners, buoy people out there, that's very real. Codependency in relationships is so, so, so real. Yeah. And it's not always what you think it is, drugs or your spouse or your significant other. It could be a best friend. It could be somebody that you're just, you're, you're leaning on too much. And that's where I talk about loving yourself and being able to stand on your two feet. Because if you're leaning any amount of your weight on anybody around you, that just means you're, you're not supporting yourself. Your right. in entirety, you know, in, in your entirety, in your own mass. And we all get there. We all need people. Of course we do. But the best people show you how to help yourself instead of just doing everything for you. So Dude, that's my answer. It's hard because it's like advice. I find myself enabling people too and I have to yeah. be like, nah. But it's the whole reason I bring this up is because there's like this awful fear now mm -hmm. because ghosting is so prevalent and so easy to do yeah. that people are literally terrified to begin relationships Right. to begin putting themselves out there, even artistically. Yeah. Like I find yeah. people even doing it because they're afraid of getting ghosted by a casting director or they're afraid yeah. they're going to have a bad, it's like this fear that something is going to happen where you're going to get cut out and there's no coming back from it. Yeah. And I think I've noticed a lot of writing about that too. And a lot of people talking about, you know, I see button poetry and all these Instagrammable, right. a lot of it's these two line things yep. that deal with you left me. Well, I'll find, you know, I'll find someone. And it's still like there's a hope in it. Right. There's some but hope so in it. But so much of it is dealing with that jarring motion of being cut out. Right. And the fear of loss and the, fe the fear of I, abandonment. You know, if there's one, another suggestion, I've got a lot of suggestions for listeners and Bowie and me and every human being don't take any action out of fear unless you're acting against that fear. Like, you know, if you're afraid of something, there's a reason for it, but we're no longer cavemen running from T-Rexes and freaking lions. Like that thing in your brain telling you not to do it, it's to keep you in your comfort zone and to stop you from becoming something that you aren't currently, but could possibly become. So I think it's hard nowadays because it's almost like you don't know what to do. You don't get an explanation and self-love becomes difficult when you don't get those explanations right. and fear, like you were saying, Choosing to write poetry out of a positive perspective where there's hope and it's like, okay, I've come through this, but I'm not going to be bitter. I am choosing not to let this cripple me. Right. Um, Handicap for the rest of my life. And it's, it's a real thing. Yeah. So how, 
when you get up and you perform your poetry, even though it's positive and it's hopeful, how do you keep yourself from ever, like, do you ever feel like you, you still fall back into moments where you're, like, fearful and questioning and... All the damn time. And how do you overcome that? Right. What's one of your tactics to overcome so, that? So, I'll share a small, ex short experience. Yeah, uh, yesterday, I had an audition. Um, it was, can't say what it's for, but it was just a small two-liner, and I've gotten some decent roles in the co-star department this this year and He's I was doing really well. <laughs> thank you be modest. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I am got a really good shot at getting it and the closer you are to having something be yours the more you just kind of mm, feel so out of control when you don't know the result and uh, I was dealing with some major anxiety right after the audition and I told myself before I'm like it's just gonna be cool easy peasy I'm wearing shorts I'm gonna go in I'm gonna go out it's gonna be done and I did it and it was a great experience but I was still sitting there spinning. What could I have done different? What do I do? I've got this feeling in my stomach. How can I? How am I going to leave my alleviate myself from this? And I took a couple deep breaths while I was driving home. Started thinking about um, music actually, and thinking about what I had coming up. Which I'm playing drums for a buddy of mine on Thursday, and I'm really excited because I've never played live drums for somebody before. So what I do is I focus on the next thing. You know, what's coming next? The next audition. The second you leave that audition, you think about the next audition. And until they call you telling you they want you for the callback, you don't think about that first audition, if, if you can. And if you can't help it, you think about it, you feel it, you be with it, but you don't let it linger because that is what's going to turn you into one of those sour actors who didn't get that part but was so close to it and now is for the rest of their life going to talk about how I could have been, yeah. you know, the new freaking Spider-Man or whatever it is. <laughs> but I think that's so true with sharing any of your work is that you go, I'm sharing this in this moment. I'm doing this. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to tell my biggest truth. I'm going to be as vulnerable as I can, as bold as I can, as smart as I can, whatever I need to do. Right. And if people don't give you a standing ovation, you walk out, you get ready for the next time. And you, and you, and you say, okay, well, what if, if that's what you want more than anything, you want a standing ovation, then you say, okay, what am I going to do next time to get those people to stand up? And uh, somebody who I really love is Gary Vaynerchuk. He's mm -hmm. just so cut and dry. He'll tell you what to do. So if next time what you want is a standing ovation, when you write another poem, in the poem, write a section where you ask the audience to stand up and clap at the end. I guarantee you somebody will if they're listening. And if they're not listening, you might need to turn the microphone up or something. You know what I mean? you got to ask for Make what you want yours. to receive. Take it. ownership. Yes, take, take that. Ownership. Take it. They'll yeah. give it to you if you ask them for it. If you ask them enough times, they'll give it to you. It's true. <laughs> you take the stage. Yes. You see performers from any... I mean, you look at fucking Charlie Chaplin, maniac. Oh, you know? yeah. But he was the best. But, but, but it's that, that willingness to take the space and... Do what you were gonna do. Right. Anybody could have fought, like fell around and made goofy faces. Right. Honestly, you know, I mean, he's got something special. Don't get it twisted. But he was the first one and the only one who was like, "This is gonna be me. I'm gonna own it. I'm gonna keep doing it." And wow, you know, obviously made an impact. Obviously. Obviously, I've said that a hundred times. Podcaster. <laughs> obviously. Well, I would love for you to share one more thing. Oh, right. So he's going to end us on a positive note. Should I do it in a British accent then? Oh, don't tempt me. <laughs> okay. Last poem, this is, um, you know, put it where you want it to be. I think it's somewhere in the middle of the spectrum of positive and dark. Uh, it's a poem that I wrote after watching The Society on Netflix, which is a really thought-provoking show. I recommend you guys all check it out. I am not sponsored by them, so <laughs> this is just an honest <laughs> review. But um, it had left me with a lot of questions, and basically the premise of the show, just so you have an idea about the poem, is um, a bunch of high schoolers are supposed to go on a trip, and they get brought back from the trip and all their parents are gone. And there's a forest all around their town and they can't leave their town so they have to kind of build a society 
um, you know, in their high school town and make decisions and stuff. And it's really interesting. So this poem is called Behavior, and I wrote it after watching uh, the season finale to the first season of that show. Behavior. That's all you can control. The earthquake, the tsunami, the tornado, it will roll. Fire, the forces of chaos, they come faster. With no control, there's only natural disaster. Natural disaster. It will strike. Will you run away? Will you go and grab your bike? What will be your behavior? That's what we'll tell. The type of man you are underneath that shell. When the times get tough, do you go and run? Or do you tighten up your belt and postpone all the fun? We only control our behavior the way we are. How do you act when no one's around? Do you laugh? Do you smile? Do you joke? Do you clown? Do you spend your days and your nights out on the street? Or do you spend them out searching for someone to meet? Where is it exactly that you want to go? Your behavior is the only thing that can take you down that road. That's behavior. That's a message to the masses. Yes. I think we should film that one. Yeah, hey, I'm, I'm down for whatever you want to do. That one would be a great visualization because I feel like your, your options are infinite yeah it, it's go, it goes very big and then it can go very small too. like i could almost see you like starting it off and having you just like sitting in a chair or something and you're like reading something and then you just look up yeah and it's like you're guiding us through this and you like take us through a building and yeah like, every room is a different like disaster, disaster <laughs> yeah or, like obstacle yeah something really small and it's your choice i think it's yeah maybe something where we go through a series of choices just like as an actor you have to make a choice make a choice you have to make a choice and uh, yeah, that's all. That's what we're gonna tell you guys. Go out there, make a choice. I like to make positive choices. Yes. <laughs> but uh, if you want to make another choice, a darker choice, you go for it. You, you be in it. You feel it. You be real. Mm. Be real. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This Absolutely. has been amazing. Thank you, Bowie. You guys have to check Deshaun out. Seriously, his group is his band is amazing. He's always doing constant amazing work with theater, film poetry, music, all the stuff. He is an ultimate artist in L.A., and he does not let the bastards get him down. So Thank you. Is, yeah, we try. <laughs> They're going to try, but don't you, don't don't you, you let them. Don't you let them. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Deshaun. Thank this you, Bowie. It's been so fun. Thanks, guys. Woo! Woo! Poets Return, a poetry podcast where artists share their work and discuss their process and let you see the story behind the words. This audio production is copyright 2019 by the Poets Return podcast, All Rights Reserved. The copyrights for each story are held by the respective authors. No duplication or reproduction of this auto program is permitted without the written consent of Melissa Bowie.